Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Love Offering Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Adams, and today my guest is Susan Bowers. If you are in need of joy today, you have come to the right place because Susan Bowers is a joy bringer. She is a radio host, author, speaker, wife, and mom. And although her life has not been easy, she has been able to maintain joy through it all. And she is sharing on today's episode how we can too. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Season. Hello, Season. Welcome to the Love Offering Podcast. I am so happy you're here. Oh man, Rachel, I am just truly, it's my joy to be with you and your listeners today. And I'm grateful, so grateful to meet you. (laughs) So from the beginning, your life has been full of joy and Jesus. Yeah. Would you share your childhood with us and how your love for music and theater came to be? Oh, I don't, I think it was just, I was born with it. I, I have always loved the Lord. My mom said that I said the prayer. She wrote it down when I was two and a half. I just loved Jesus. And I'm grateful to be, um, to have been born into a family. My parents met the Lord at a Billy Graham crusade a couple of years before I was born. And I'm grateful to be a born into, into lovers of God, into a home that loved the Lord, but also they were all creatives. So I'm an only child and my mom and dad, my mom was a writer and just an overall creative. My dad's a drummer. And then both sets of grandparents were artists. So one grandma was like a prima ballerina. Another grandma was a lounge singer. She was like touring with the USO when she was little. And then both my grandfathers were artists. One was a a woodworking artist and another one was a fine artist. And so I just was surrounded by creativity. And pretty much from the time I could open my mouth and make noise, I was singing and and dancing and twirling. And if it looked like a stage, I would stand on it. (laughs) So people were like, oh, were your parents supportive? I'm like, they had no choice. I just, that's who I was. And I'm really grateful for for their encouragement and support. Um, and truly I, I've kind of always been this way. People say now, Oh, you have this joy. Or I always knew there was something different. People from when I was really little would just say, wow, this kid is, is something. It really has been the presence of the Lord and the Holy spirit just sort of radiating off of this little firecracker, you know? And, um, I'm, I'm super grateful. I didn't understand my name, um, because I'm a performer and I, I had the privilege to be able to do that my whole life. Most people thought my name season was a stage name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they would be like, Oh, you know, is it a stage? I said, listen, who would pick it? Like, no, nobody <laughs> would choose that. Most people would say, you know, either is it a stage name or were your parents on drugs because, <laughs> you know, were they hippies? And I used to say no, but they totally were hippies. I mean, let's be honest. I was born in 1978. Like they were totally a hippie thread there, but I didn't understand it. My mom would always just say, Oh, well, we liked it. No, nobody just wakes up one day and goes, Oh, I like the name season. So when I was older, she finally explained to me that it was from Ecclesiastes three, one to everything. There's a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. And that, that resonated with my soul. She used to say, you know, you were hard to come by and it was the right time in our lives. And I'm so grateful. I hold on to that. And I really use it as um, a word of life in my life and a way to see the world around me, a way to see my life 
that it is, the Lord is a God of order and seasons and timing and his timing is perfect. So I, I'm really grateful for that now. And I found that the experiences of my life have fallen into those categories. And so, like you said, I've performed and, and expressed myself through that kind of creativity all my life, but the Lord has moved me into a totally new season. And, um, as a, as a minister, as a pastor, as a speaker, as a author, and I can see his hand as how he shaped my life and created me, um, to do these things intentionally. And so it's, it's been a really wonderful ride. And so, yeah, like I said, to answer your question, they had no choice. I just stood on tables and sang. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love all those stories. And it's so interesting. Goodness. Uh, um, I, the, you have an interesting life. And I'm, I'm just so excited for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> so, um, so for much of your life, you also dreamed of being on Broadway. Oh, yeah. Which makes total sense from what you just described. So <laughs> as you grew in your craft, you discovered that you loved the nonprofit, artfully driven regional theater um, more than the big budget for profit machine. So would you talk for a moment about how your goals and dreams have shifted? Oh, yeah. The, you know, I don't know if you had experienced this, but in my senior year of high school, in the yearbook, you write like a little paragraph under your senior picture, like what you want to do in the end of, you know, with your life. I don't know if other people have that experience, but we did that in my high school. And the last few words of my little paragraph under my senior year picture says, see you on Broadway. Lord, I look back at that and I'm so humiliated by that. But um, oh, no. dream, I just wanted to be, you know, a Broadway star. And as I went to college and got trained further, I, I did my first professional production um, when I was 16 and I had done youth theater and church and school and all of that. And, and then I started performing professionally at 16. I began to see the difference between local regional theater, professional theaters versus, you know, when the tours would come through, I would go to New York and see Broadway productions. And really I, I began to learn the difference. Um, and I just, my, my goals, my call it wisdom, maturity. I just wanted to do good work. I wanted to be able to, um, be a part of something powerful, something that would um, engage an audience and take them on a journey, but that wasn't, and as I learned more, that wasn't totally powered by budget and spectacle. Not that those things aren't great, because listen, when you're in a big budget show, that was pretty awesome. But, right. um, you know, seeing more, the more I saw, the more I understood the difference between like for-profit and not-for-profit. Um, I just wanted to do good work and it didn't really care where. And I, and the real goal was to be a working actor. And, you know, I had so many friends that moved to New York and subsequently came right home or moved to New York and wound up bartending professionally or temping and never actually getting to be in shows because um, of the, not, not the, because it was so hard, but I was doing good work where I was and I was working full time as a performer. So super grateful for the opportunity to hone my craft and to be able to actually do it. And, you know, I just then became a lover of traveling to New York or Chicago or wherever else to see and support stuff. But um, yeah, you know, as you get older, I think in the Lord just reveals more to us, our dreams. It's not that they die, they just shift. And 
there becomes more of a narrowing and a specificity to it. And so I was really grateful to just learn as I, as I went. Um, and so it wasn't that I didn't live my dream. I just, I did in a way that I understood more. Mm, yeah. Well, so on this topic of theater, you know, for 20 years, you played roles that were chosen for you, written for you and where you were allowed to grow and take risks. <laughs> oh my gosh, Rachel, I had a, I had a career people would kill for. And it doesn't really exist anymore. I was a part of a, an acting ensemble theater and I had um, a full-time salary and benefits and, and with this performing troupe, with this group of people who would um, perform together and there would be other people who would come in and out and it was really a beautiful experience. But that model that we were, I learned, here's, it's so funny. I actually learned about that company in college. I had already worked for them and I was in college learning about theater history and different versions and different kinds of theaters. And they talked about my theater that I worked for. And, um, and that model doesn't exist anymore. So it was really awesome. But um, it, again, it was a time in my life that was really special. <laughs> and uh, I was super spoiled. Well, I just was going to, so during that season, you became like newly married and you were launching into like a very strong, successful career. And then things immediately took a devastating turn for you and you experienced a painful and dramatic loss of not only your mother, but both grandmothers and both great aunts. And then you were thrown into the reality of a life as a young woman, a brand new wife and the matriarch of your family. So would you share about what God was teaching you through this season of your life? <laughs> oh, wow. It was um, rough. I I had never experienced anything like that. I had, I was 26. Um, and my first 25 years of my life were glorious, almost without any drama. You know, I, I was so, <laughs> as an actor, as a, as an acting student, people would pull from their, you know, dramatic experiences in childhood. And I'd be like, um, Mm. I was kind of bullied in high school. Like I just didn't have that experience. And I used to pray, <laughs> careful what you pray for. I used to care. I used to pray that I would have a story and I didn't, I was frustrated that other people had these testimonies, like come to Jesus moments. And I didn't have that. I had always just loved the Lord. And I, I just had an easy, wonderful, happy childhood. And, and then in literally within about a year, I lost all five female blood relatives in my life, and uh, I married uh, a man um, who 30 days after we married cheated on me, and 30 days after that, my mom died. And it was just this insane, insane time of my life. Also, at the same time, uh, I got hired full-time to work for this company, literally in the same month that my mom died, and um, I, <laughs> the day I buried my mom... I opened a show. Wow. Yeah. So I just have always, it it was this compact, crazy experience. But the day my mother passed away, I was laying in bed. I had newly married, laying in bed, hysterical, just laying down the, down the hallway from the room that, cause we lived with my parents while she was sick. And, um, I was just, weeping and coughing. I was uncontrollable, you know, mm-hmm. and I heard inside of my head, in my whole spirit, I heard 
the voice of the Lord. And he just said, trust me. And I fell asleep. And when I woke up the next day, I had a peace about my life and a confidence to get out of bed and take on this bizarre new role going from the baby to the matriarch of the family and to, you know, look at the man next to me and say, well, okay, we're going to do this. Um, and I'm so grateful. And I knew in that moment, I didn't understand, but I did know in the moment that I could trust the Lord. And that sustained me. The next few years were really crazy. Um, I was married for about five years and it never uh, got any better. It was super um, difficult, uh, emotionally and spiritually abusive. And, um, and there was a lot more infidelity after that. And, and so finally the Lord released me um, from that marriage. I'm so grateful for freedom and grace and mercy. And in that, just learning who I was as a young woman, the, the crazy things that you don't know until you, you experience it. So I'd never experienced loss before. I, a few weeks after everybody had, literally everybody had passed away. My mom and my grandmother, her, her mother died within a month of each other. And, um, so I decided one night I was going to have the boys over. So my two grandfathers, my dad and my husband, I was going to make my grandmother's spaghetti recipe for everybody. Cause now it's my, that was my family. That was it. My two grandfathers, my dad and my husband. Yeah. And, uh, I went to the grocery store to get the stuff for my grandmother's recipe for her spaghetti sauce. And I was standing in the onion section and I had no idea what onion to buy. And I lost it. I was weeping in the onion section, just crying, staring at these onions because I couldn't call anybody. I didn't have any female to call and say, what onion do you buy? And this precious woman was in the grocery store with me. And she walked up. She's like, sweetheart, are you okay? I'm like 25, you know, 26. And I was like, no, I don't know what to buy. And she said, oh, honey, you know, I always just opt for the sweet onion. This, the white one, it's called the sweet onion. Rachel, I have never bought a different onion since then. <laughs> I was like, great, there it is. That's the only onion I'm ever going to buy for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a, there's something bizarre about losing, you know, the women, your mom or grandma in your life in your early 20s because it's so formative as a wife. Yeah. And then, um, glory to God, I, I'm so grateful that the Lord has brought me um, husband and children, but that's really hard to not have the ladies in my life to help me with all that, you know? Yeah. It's like, I want to ask you this, yeah, whatever it is, whether it's an onion or how to clean something or wisdom, mm -hmm. like wisdom, what they would have done. Oh. But, yeah. Well, so as a result of your broken marriage and the deep need to feel like a part of a family, you began to place your identity in your work as an actor and value in yourself as one who produces to earn approval, which oh, yeah. is, is so natural. But so, so where do you find your identity and value now? Well, you know, I'm so grateful for all those things that I've gone through, um, I'm so grateful, but there was a huge shift once, um, the Lord freed me from that marriage and, um, I began to heal and turn my heart back to the Lord. I always loved the Lord there, that never went away, but because I had spent so many years, those five years trying to become somebody else to please my husband, he, uh, had told me when he cheated on me the 
first 30 days of our marriage, he said that he wasn't attracted to me. And that because I was a professional actor, if I could act like somebody else, um, mm -hmm. if I could just lose the weight, if I could, and then eventually it became, um, if you would, and this is, you know, uh, graphic content, but he said, you know, if you would just um, sleep with other men um, to prove that other people would be attracted to you, wow. maybe I would be attracted to you. So it was so sick. It was really twisted. And, um, and so I became, because I didn't have the grounding, I didn't have the wisdom in my life to say, no, that's wrong. I was operating under this. Well, he's my husband and, and I, I must, you know, figure this out. And so as an actor, I would try to just find the approval in my life because I was so not approved of by my husband. I couldn't do anything right. And so as a professional performer who was successful, that was feeding the, well, I must be doing something right. Mm -hmm. And my identity was so wrapped up in, in what I did. So once the Lord began to heal my heart, I cracked open my Bible and while I had loved the Lord my whole life, I was never really a Bible reader. And I remember, I'll, I'll never forget this moment. I, I had my Bible and I opened it up. I was living alone and I began to read. I don't even know where I began. I read and I read it out loud and I couldn't get through like the first two sentences of whatever I was reading without the truth and the power hitting me so hard. I just walked around my kitchen and cried. I, and I would do that. I just began to do that every day, just reading bits and pieces because I couldn't get through much without being like, this is the truest thing I've ever read in my whole life. Mm -hmm. Lord began to establish his word and his truth in my heart and built me back up and said, the truest thing about you is you are my beloved daughter. And, and that went on for a few years. And then I, I marry, I met and married my husband now. And I'll tell you about that in a minute, but, um, and then I was released. The Lord released me from my career. I joined seminary and I joined my husband in ministry, which is crazy. Um, but once I lost and I didn't lose, I, I walked away, but once I did, I was no longer identified. I, I moved to a different town. So I was no longer identified by the town I lived in or the career I had or, and I would cry out to the Lord and I would say, who am I? Like, what am I? And he would just pop back with, you are mine. Mm. And it would just gut me and I would cry. And then I would say, and you are mine. And it's kind of our thing. <laughs> Excuse me. And um, so I tattooed it on my wrist. I had to have it. I had to have, he just says, you are mine. And so we so quickly want to run into identities, right? I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a pastor, I'm a speaker, I'm an actor, I'm a whatever. But there's the roles that we play, but it's not who we are. Mm. And I'm so grateful for the true words. It just says, the Lord just says, you are mine. And when I find myself quickly, because it, it happens fast, and I, uh, you, you get to the point where you're like, wait, haven't I learned this lesson yet? <laughs> <laughs> you try to like, who are you? What do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, I'm a this or that. Um, I try to, that's why I tattooed it on my body, Rachel. So I can be like, remember, remember your value. Your identity is not in the role that you're currently playing. You know, yeah. it, it's well, that, that, 
Well, go ahead. It's, it's just so deeply rooted in who I am. I wake up every morning before I've done anything and I'm approved by the Lord. He's, you're mine. You're my beloved daughter. Like Jesus, before he did anything, you know, he goes and gets baptized. And the Father in heaven says, this is my beloved son and who am you give me great joy. And he didn't do anything, you know. He was just an obedient son. And so when we wake up every day to just say, oh, thank you, Lord, that I'm approved and I didn't even have to do anything yet. And you love me. Mm, Such good truth. Well, and I think that segues really well into our next question. So for those of us who are sort of labeling ourselves or categorizing ourselves, how do we how do we stop letting our earthly titles define our future and start living in the limitless power of our identities as a daughter um, or son, I guess, of the most high king. Right. It's hard. Oh my goodness. It's, and it's, it's just this natural thing in us. It's, it comes just from the beginning that we want to identify ourselves with other people, with a career, with a location. Um, and they become idols in our lives and it happens so fast it, we're in these modern times where, you know, you read, especially in the Old Testament, and they build these Asherah poles, and they build these idols, and you're like, oh, good. You read through the Ten Commandments, and you're like, cool, I don't do that. Um, I don't have any other gods before me, right? Check. Except that we so quickly turn other things into idols. We turn our roles, our location, our homes, our children, our spouse. We turn so many things into our idols where we find our identity and you know, that what you worship, you become like you, you begin to become what you worship. And so if we're worshiping those other things, which we, we would never label it, but I don't, I don't worship that, but we do. It's, it's how, how we're, um, we are made to worship something. Mm. And so when we begin to focus our attention and really dive into those individual things, uh, we do, we become more like them. And that's why the Lord so is jealous for us. He's like, no, 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 lean into me, become more like me. Don't you know you already look like me? I've put my image and likeness in you. Let me shape it and and polish that up. But instead, we we look to so many other things that don't do the same in return. As a parent, oh my gosh. So I married my husband. I met him, met him and married him. Um, we met on christianmingle.com. It worked for me. And um, 10 weeks later, we got married. And I became an insta mom of three daughters. And at the time, they were six, eight, and 10. And that was so fun and wonderful. But man, how quickly our identities become wrapped up in being a parent. And how, especially in, in my experience, I don't call myself a step-parent. They, they are my children, and they have another mother but they're the children that the Lord gave me, but how quickly it can rob us of our true identity when we find our, find our value in in that role. And yet as a, as a child, they're intended to grow up and go away and they're, they intended to be their own people. And so our oldest is in college right now. She went to another state and she's in college. And if we place our identities and our value in, those relationships, it can really hurt. And so I try to model that to, because especially as a, as a stepmom, um, there's this like once removed thing. 
and my heart can get ripped out of my chest as the enemy reminds me, yeah, but you're not their mom. Mm -hmm. So even though I place so much, I have placed so much identity in that, when the enemy wants to remind me that I'm not actually their mom, that can gut me. But I want to it's a daughter of the king who has the privilege to love these children and lead them to Jesus. That's different. So yeah. I think it's, a, it's so important to come back to, constantly come back to, before anything else, I'm a child of God. And that's where I find my purpose. That's where I find my power. That's where I find all of my identity. And from that position, from that role that can never be taken away from me, I do everything. And I become a better mom, a wife, a pastor, a writer, a speaker, all those things. I become better because I'm doing it from that position. And I'm not threatened by you or anyone else who want, who's doing something similar or another mother or another, right? Like I'm not threatened by other people who are also doing these things because I'm not doing it for competition's sake. I'm doing it out of my true identity. Does that make sense? Yes. So good. So good. Well, so you say that you were living your dream and you had the life that you thought that you wanted, but it didn't bring you what you needed. And so after, after your divorce and the surrender of your idea of success to the Lord, everything changed and your prayers shifted and yes. you began to cry out to the Lord. You said, whatever, wherever. Yeah. Don't, so, yeah. That, careful. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So would you talk about this turning point where you realized your deepest desire was to be used by God, no longer mattered what that looked like or where it took place? Yes. I Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so passionate about this, Rachel. I truly, when I started to realize who I was and who the Lord was and what he had for me, what I thought I had lived it, you know, I would like feel, oh, I'm sorry for all you people who don't know what it's like to live your dream. And then the Lord is like, you ain't seen nothing yet, kid. As he's like restoring my identity and teaching me what it was like to be beautiful. The Lord taught me that I was beautiful. Uh, the world wasn't teaching me that I was beautiful. The world wasn't teaching me that I was desirable, that I had anything to give. Because everywhere I looked, I either didn't live up to what, you know, my, my ex-husband, I, I didn't measure up. And I didn't have the encouragement from my mom or my grandmas anymore. I didn't have these things. So the Lord was teaching me everything I needed in my identity and value. And I realized, oh my gosh, that is the most satisfying. He's the lover of my soul. Jesus is all satisfying. And suddenly relationships with like, like men or, or career accolades or whatever became nothing to me, like nothing. I didn't care anymore because King Jesus, I, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful in any way, but I called him my big sexy husband, Jesus, because <laughs> he was all satisfying to me. And he was teaching me how to be a bride because my five year experience of being a wife was so jacked up. And the Lord was like, you are my bride. I am your husband. And I learned from Jesus how to be loved and how to be a wife. So he was my big, sexy husband, Jesus. And I was so satisfied in every area that nothing mattered anymore outside of that. And I began to say to him, 
you are worth everything I have, every, everything I have. I want to truly give to you. So whatever you have for me, wherever you have it, I'm yours. I follow you. I, I just lay it all down. I began to understand the gospels where he was like, hey, you follow me. And they were like, sure. And they left everything. I was like, pick me, pick me because I will follow you and leave everything for you, the lover of my soul. And I get emotional talking about it. And that's all I wanted. So I began to pray. And for one year, every day, I would read my word in the word and I would just cry out to the Lord, whatever you have for me, wherever I'm yours. And I had this funny romantic notion and, and tr truly a, a lie. I believed that because I had lived my dream, whatever, wherever meant sacrificing everything and being like a nun in Timbuktu. I'm not Catholic. I don't even know where Timbuktu is, but in my <laughs> mind, it meant like barefoot on the plains of some, you know, godforsaken world working with, you know, the lost and the least of these. And not having food to eat because I've lived my dream. So therefore, when I sacrifice everything and give it to the Lord, then almost as if penance, because I've lived it, I would then do something that would seem to be so sacrificial and without joy or abundance or wealth or anything. But that's just not how our Lord works. So I Thank goodness. <laughs> praise God. Right. And not that those things wouldn't have been no. like if I was a nun, right. There would, but there would be abundance and there would be joy and there would be just incredible, you know, um, spiritual wealth. So the Lord began to teach me that. And about a year in, um, I felt called to go to seminary, which I didn't even know what that was, but I wanted to be equipped to do whatever the Lord wanted me to do. And because I loved the Lord my whole life, but I wasn't a, wasn't a, a knowledgeable Christian. And so I had been reading my Bible for a year just voraciously, but I didn't. Um, oh, in, in fact, I, I literally started at page one. I opened up my Bible and it was one of those like um, teaching Bibles too. So I would read every single word on the page. I'd read the, all the verses on the page and then all the explanation at the bottom. And then I would like turn the page and keep reading which is great until you get to things that just, oh gosh, you know, it's great for the first couple books of the <laughs> I remember reading the New Testament. I was in Greece and I was reading the New Testament. I decided that year of whatever, wherever, I, I traveled out of the country for the first time and I went on a date with Jesus to Greece for a week by myself. And I started in Matthew and I was so confused by the time I'm getting to like Luke and Mark. And I was like, I've read this before. I don't know what's happening, <laughs> but I, it was so confusing to me. I'm like, are we, sh is this a typo? I knew nothing. And so I decided that I wanted to learn more about the Lord because my whole life I was in rehearsals all the time. So I'd go to church, but I'd never done a Bible study. I could never go to anything else. And so I had learned about this seminary in my town and I thought there's no way on the planet they'd let me in because I'm an actor. And turns out the the company that I, the theater company I worked for started at this school in their original location, which was in another state. Mm -hmm. And so when I walked in for my interview, all of the board of admissions people were season ticket holders to the theater company I worked for. No way. <laughs> yeah. They were like, Oh my gosh. It's you. So I was a little bit of a star when I walked in and they actually let me in, which was so cool. And 
So I began seminary just because I wanted to learn more about Jesus. I wasn't trying to be a pastor or anything. I just didn't even know I was there. And, um, and then shortly after that, I, I just surrendered. And I said, Lord, if, if you want me to be married again, if you have a husband for me or kid, I don't care. I'll be single the rest of my life. But if you did have someone or I was supposed to be a mom or whatever, um, I joined a Christian mingle because I wasn't about to go like meet somebody at a bar or date another actor because I had already done that or meet somebody in seminary because I was like, no, no, this is my time. I don't want to be in my history class awkward because I went on a date with some guy in my history class, you know, <laughs> I was like, no, this is for me. And, and frankly, I didn't want to meet anybody at church either because that was my time. Yeah. And I would go to the church I was going to at the time. And I was, I was like so selfish about it. I was like, no, don't talk to me. Don't even, I, I'm not interested. I'm just here to worship the Lord. And so I joined Christian Mingle. <laughs> and, uh, it, and so 10 weeks, okay. So I joined Christian Mingle and I didn't, I wasn't really interested in anyone. They had kind of said, Hey, these are people you might be interested in. And, um, then they sent me this list of people who I may also be interested in, but were outside of my criteria. And uh, so there was this guy and he was real cute and he was super verbose in his um, profile. And I was too. It was sort of like, if you're not sold out for Jesus, don't waste my time. Mm -hmm. And his kind of said the same thing. And I get to the bottom of his profile paragraphs and he said, and I have three beautiful daughters. And it was like a record scratch. It was like, wait, what? <laughs> Hold up. Like what? And it freaked me out, Rachel. It freaked me out because I hadn't had, I didn't have children. I was in my early thirties and I had friends, all my friends had kids and they were married. It just had never dawned on me that I could be with someone who had children. So it freaked me out so much. I closed down my account. I stopped, I turned it all off and I was like, okay, Jesus, we got, we got to have a couple conversations about this. And for a week I prayed about this super cute guy on Christian Mingle and his children. And I just said, Lord, I trust, I've been praying whatever, wherever. And I trust that you could make me a mom any way you want. And because that's truly my heart, like whatever, wherever, I don't know how I feel about this, except that I trust you. And seven days later, I got an email from Christian Mingle and they said, somebody's trying to contact you. And it was that super cute boy. And he wrote me and said, Hey, I love all the things you have to say about Jesus. And I'd love to talk to you and maybe check out my profile and get back to me. And I was like, um, funny thing, I'm not really a stalker, but I've kind of been praying about you for a week. And he was like, what? So I said, yeah, it freaked me out that you had kids as well. I'm, I'm kind of a package deal. And how do you feel about that now? And that's what I said. I said, I trust the Lord. And I believe that if I'm supposed to be a mom and have a family, then however he would want to do that, my answer to him is yes. And 10 weeks later, we got married. And I became an instant mom of three daughters. Well, so on that topic, you now challenge women to step up to greater things as parents. So mm -hmm. what it, for the woman listening that may also be an insta mom, yeah. What, what recommendations would you would you share for, her? for for parents, you know, moms and dads who have the privilege? Oh, I'm gonna cry. The privilege of loving someone else's children. What a gift! It is truly like it's so biblical, right? Whether it's through fostering, adoption, or marrying into a family where there are children. 
the thing right away, I just knew that there was no separation between us. It are, they are the children that the Lord has gifted me with. And it doesn't matter how the Lord created a family. Family and children are so biblical. It's such a gift. And we see it in the origin family of Jesus, right? That Joseph was not his biological parent. And there were other biological children. But I am so passionate that we stop the division. So quickly, our language becomes yours, mine, and ours. And so quickly, division enters into a family. Divorce, death, whatever, is already so difficult for a family. And, or or in whatever way, right, that that there is division in in what would be called a broken home. But the Lord has gifted us with the ability and the power of resurrection and restoration. We have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords living within us. So wherever we go, we are bringers of restoration and reconciliation. So I knew right away that my job was to do that in this family. And, and to say, I receive this gift that they are not my biological children, but they are my children. These are my daughters. I am a mother. And glory to God, they have another mother too. And I right away immediately revered this woman. Didn't matter why they got, didn't matter. None of the past matters. She gave me children. This woman, their mother, made me a mom. And I'm Mm -hmm. eternally grateful for that. And that informed everything. I said to my husband, she is royalty in our home, period. And that has been really good and it's been really challenging and I have succeeded in many ways and I have failed miserably at it. And we've been married almost eight years and there's been times where we were super close and there have been times where we've been more distant and I take blame for all of that. You know, (laughs) I have not been perfect at it, but I'll tell you what, I am so grateful for my daughter's mother because we are very different people. She is six foot tall and gorgeous. She looks like Barbie. And I'm like a troll. I swear to you. Oh, like, it's I, not true. Oh, but I'm just little and I have this like, you know, spiky hair. And I was, it's so funny because um, she was taller than my husband and the man she married. And, and there's another family that they have now. And um, he's really tall. And so the girls, when they came into the family, um, they would be like, oh, it's so cute because you guys like match because my husband's <laughs> not real tall and, and I'm little and, and she married a man who's really big. And so it's just kind of fun. The, the family's like look better, you know, um, but I just am so grateful. And so my encouragement to anyone who has the privilege of loving someone else's children would step it up and and fiercely protect the unity of a family. I think that when, because I've experienced it in my own children, when they would come to our house and, and, and say things like, well, that's mom and our stepdad's kids like that, you know, they feel the difference Yeah. and his kids, you know, they would talk about like their stepdad's children 
because he brought a lot of children into the marriage. So my daughter's other family, um, there's nine kids in the other family. Yeah. And then when they would come to our house, it would just be the three of them. And, and I've seen in so many families, people say things that are so wounding to the children because they already suffer from division. So I think as, as step parents, foster parents, adopted, whatever it is, the opportunity we have to carry the holy, powerful gift of resurrection to bring dead things back to life and restoration, unity, all of those things are heavenly. They're powerful. And we carry the keys to do that. And I think it's, I think it's, it's a, it's an assignment from on high. It's a holy assignment. And I'll tell you, it takes so much sacrifice. I don't love mother's day. Hmm. It, It is a day where I lay it all down. Yeah. I'll never forget the day we were leaving church one Sunday and, um, my oldest at the time, she was probably, I don't know, 12 or 13. And we were walking to the car after church and she goes, Oh yeah, I forget. Like you're a mom. Happy mother's day. Oh, gutted me, broke my heart, but I will lay that down all day long, all day long to honor and revere their mom and, and keep the unity in my family. So it's sacrificial for sure, but oh my gosh, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Such a good perspective. Such a good perspective. (laughs) Uh, You know, as as listeners, I'm sure can sense um, you're a radio host, (laughs) and and now it's it's all coming together. Everybody's like, oh, it's working so good at what she's doing. Oh no, Rachel, Um, I think I'm just a talker. I think I'm just a talker. So, so each day you invite listeners in radio markets all across the country um, into a lifestyle of joy with your joy bringer radio feature. So tell us more about this feature, this feature. I mean, oh, well, um, I just, it's my superpower. I love, I'm so grateful. (laughs) I think, and it's yours too. I think people just don't know it. And, you know, being a joy bringer, it's who Jesus is was it's who he is and it's who we are meant to be it's who we are called to be but i think that we have been robbed of this joy has become this optional cherry on the top of the sunday of you know being a christian and from the world's perspective it's this option but it's not joy is not optional joy is not um reserved for children and cute young girls who have no care in life Joy is strong. It's powerful. It's the second fruit of the spirit buried between love and peace. It is mentioned 472 times in the Bible. And I think the most egregiously like left out concept in the Christian life, you never hear about like leaders who are joyful. You'll hear about leaders who are, you know, powerful and strong or dictators or, or resilient or you'll hear about all kinds of um, leadership qualities, but not joyful ones. But mm. that is what Jesus exampled as a leader. Everywhere he went, he brought joy. There was joy on the cross. It was the joy set before him that mm. got him through the most agonizing, horrible experience anyone could ever ex- experience. And I, I am so passionate about bringing the truth about joy about empowering people, about releasing 
the anointing of joy to people because I think I say this, I, I recognize it's audacious, but I think the Lord is tired of the gospel being spread without this gift. The Lord doesn't do anything without joy. And he's like, y'all are missing it. You are missing it. Jesus paid the price on the cross for our sin. He, he paid it once and for all. We don't need to add our sacrifice. Like he said, no, no, no. I already did that for you. But I think so often we think like I did at one time, oh, I lived my dream. I, I was a sinner. I had all these things. So therefore I will, I will release that. I don't need those things anymore. Right. And the Lord has said, no, I paid the price so that you can have joy. Hmm. I paid the price so that you don't have to sacrifice anymore. And don't think that your sacrifice would even be enough anyway. I already did it. So stop it. <laughs> you know? So I get well, to talk about that. Well, so how do we, how do we live a life full of joy? I mean, like day to day, how, how, how yeah. do we do this? Right. And this is something that, um, as I've been writing about it and, 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 and preaching about it and all that, it is something I have to practice every day because being full of joy doesn't mean your life is easy and perfect. Choosing joy and operating out of that power isn't something that just comes easily because there's life. It has to be an intentional journey. It has to be that you hold on to ultimately the the handles and the first and foremost one is that joy is in Jesus right he is our joy it is the freedom that we have because of Jesus it is that my joy never changes because my Jesus never changes he is the foundation of joy joy is not happiness joy is not circumstantial it is absolutely founda- founded totally rooted in Jesus. So when everything around us is swirly and crazy, we build our life on the rock, on the foundation of who Jesus is and the joy that he brings. It starts with that. Totally starts with the power of salvation and the power of understanding who God is. It starts there. And so I will tell you when things feel horrible in my life. I look around and I think everything's swirly. Everything's hard. I'm sad. I'm hungry. You know, you name it, right? Like whatever it is. Yeah. I have to train my brain, right? Where we are taking all thoughts captive. We are renewing our mind every day. I go immediately to who Jesus is in this moment. Who are you for me right now? And then that recognition of who Jesus is, the fact that he is present in every situation, that's the foundation. And that's where the joy becomes real. And not that I suddenly get all happy and perky, which I am most of the time, but there are moments. Those are the moments where joy is buoyant. It Mm -hmm. floats. Joy keeps you from sinking down into hopelessness and despair because joy is Jesus. So I practiced this. Oh my gosh, I practiced this. We were in England. We took two of our daughters to England this summer and it was the worst family trip on the planet. <laughs> it was horrible and it was my fault. Totally my fault. I, I, I absolutely, I had to apologize to all my family. Like it was horrible. 
I just was not in a good place and not loving my family well. And I remember I was in, we finally got smart and got our two daughters their own hotel room because I couldn't deal. And they had their own hotel room at one point. And I was wailing, weeping, crying out to the Lord in the middle of the night because it was just so painful. I was like, why does this, why is this so horrible? This should be fantastic. And my husband's like holding me and I'm crying and he must've thought I was crazy because I was just declaring truth about Jesus. Like Jesus, you are here. Jesus, you are so good. Like Jesus, would you forgive me? And just declaring the truth of who Jesus was because I had no, I was like depleted in that moment and I needed to get back to the truth and, and my foundation of who Jesus is. And that in that we find gratitude. So gratitude is the gateway to the kingdom. And so as, and the kingdom where there is Jesus, there is joy. There's so many scriptures that talk about in the presence of the Lord is strength and joy. That's what happens. That's what's surrounding the throne. So that response for us, the handle that we hold on to, we recognize joy is rooted in Jesus, starts with salvation. And that response, the core values of joy begins with gratitude. And that... Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't start listing the things you're grateful for. And even when you can't find anything to be grateful for, we get back to like the ultimate with Jesus. There can't be gratitude and not be joy. Yeah. So that's where it starts. And I practice this every day, every day. And I, I really do. And, and then, and then I, I like to talk about the, there's these four steps, right? There's begins with salvation and then healing. We, we have to heal. Our, my core value, my personal core value is wholeness and holiness, that, that I would be whole in Jesus. I would allow the Holy Spirit to do the healing work in my life because I, I describe it as a, um, a watering can, right? If you're a watering can and you're filled with the living water of the Lord, but if there are these rusted out holes on the sides and in the bottom, it's leaking out. So yeah. you're filled with the Lord, but it's, it's leaking. It's not able to fill you so that you can flow. So we got to heal those wounds. Forgiveness is the core value of healing. And as we forgive and as we are forgiving ourselves and those around us and allowing the Lord to heal us, then that living water, that joy and the, the goodness from the Lord, it remains in us so that we can then pour out. And uh, so these are just steps and, and ways that we can really truly live as joy bringers. So we're salvation and then being healed and then being filled as, as we are filled, filled with the power of the Holy spirit, walking in abundant fruit, allowing the Lord to fill us and grow these incredible qualities in us. Right. If we have the Holy spirit, then we have access to love and joy and peace and patience and all of that, including self-control. Mm-hmm. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. And as we are filled and growing fruit, then we can begin to lead our lives. So salvation, healing, filling, and then we lead our lives and bring joy everywhere we go. And that as a joy bringer is ultimately people who bring the gospel. It, we, it's not that we're like standing on street corners, right? But the gospel is good news. And if there's no joy in the gospel, then it's not the gospel of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what good reminders. And really funny <laughs> side note, as you were talking, I looked down at my sweatshirt and I unintentionally wore a sweatshirt that says choose joy. Oh. I really did. I need to send you a picture. I'm gonna oh, please a do. Today. 
because I thought, oh, I obviously needed you today, and I needed this reminder. This is like this episode is for me, and I know it will be for listeners. Oh, praise God! Well. <laughs> so funny. So, um, connecting your joy bringing feature to this podcast, how would you suggest we become love bringers? Oh my gosh! Well, that's the ultimate, right? That's that yeah. is so rooted. It's love, joy. It's the love of Jesus. It's it's that's it. That's you. We are created from love for love. And mm-hmm. no matter what your origin story really is, ultimately before that you were created from love, you were the apple of his eye. Like the Lord was so excited about you. He had to put skin on you. Like it was this, you were an idea. You were a concept. You, you had things foundation from the foundation of the world. There were things that you were created to do and he created you for good things out of love. And that builds us from that perspective, from the identity that we get there, from the the truth and the power of love to go out and do all the things and be who he's created us to be. I'm it's so powerful. I love this concept because it, it it's that's that's the foundation of everything. The love of the Lord, who how he loves us and how we then are called to love one another. And ultimately as we are loved by God, learning to love ourselves. Yeah. Because we can't, right? You know, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's great to love our neighbor. But if you don't love yourself, then you're not going to love your neighbor. Yeah, true. When when, when you look in the mirror, right? We look in the mirror. What we usually see in the mirror is all of the things that have been said about us, all the negative things we tend to look in the mirror and see, you know, you turn how many, Oh my gosh. How many times a day do I turn sideways and look at my, you know, belly or my butt or whatever. Right. <laughs> I don't look at, it's not like I look in the mirror and I'm like, yes, right? <laughs> there she is. There she is. Right. <laughs> it's, it's when we look in the mirror, we see all of the things that we would edit. We see, I, I, I saw a pastor once do this sermon and he was talking about that and he wrote on the mirror, you know, ho- you know, ugly, hopeless, you know, no, good for nothing, all, all the things. Well, when we look, we look in the mirror, that's what we see. And those same lenses that we see ourselves in, we then see other people with. Yeah. And so we're so quick to look around us, our neighbor, if you will, and then see those people through the same lenses and filters that we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. How can, so when we clean those mirrors, the lenses off, and we write full of purpose, we write intentional, beautiful, um, loved, you know, we write all of the things that are real, the way the Lord sees us. And we can begin to see ourselves the way the Lord sees us, which is only with eyes of love. Then we begin to see our neighbors to see those around us with that same perspective. It has to become, it has to begin with, with receiving the love of the Lord so that we can give it to ourselves and to other people. It's, it's so powerful. It's, yeah. it's just so powerful, rooted in identity, love, love, created by love for love. Yeah. Such good truth season. Well, so during this season of the love offering podcast, I'm as- asking my guests who has loved them well in their life. So who first comes to mind for you and how did they love you? Well, I would say, I, I look back on my mom um, 
she died when she was 49 and which is really young. I'm in my forties now. And so it's like, Oh geez, that's yeah. so young. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean she was perfect and loved perfectly. Um, but what I'm so grateful for is, and I didn't know this until after she had died. Um, but my mom had two abortions before me and I, and my, before I was married to my first husband, while we were dating, uh, I had an abortion and I didn't know that my mom had, and I didn't realize it was what I would call a generational curse in my life and in my family until after she died. And I never told her about it. And when I, when I, when she died, my first thought was, well, she knows now. And then I found out after that, that she had had two. And that was the origin of why she would say I was hard to come by and that I came at the right time in their lives. Mm. And I recognized the pain that my mom experienced in her life, the depression, the things that she had gone through were so deeply rooted in those choices. And it sent me on a healing journey to, to be forgiven, to receive forgiveness, to forgive myself and to break those generational curses in my family. And I'm so grateful that my mom and dad made the choice to have me, to love me, to give me Jesus, to expose me to the truth of the power of God. And I was loved well by my family in that way. They were so supportive. Um, when I met and married my husband and my daughters, the thing, one of the things that I grieved deeply was that they never knew my mom, that they never had a chance to be loved by her mm -hmm. because she loved well. And she, I used to joke, I still do. I think she was a little crazy. Um, and that's, I'm her daughter and she was just, <laughs> she was wild. She and yeah. her best girlfriend called themselves Thelma and Louise and she had convertibles and she would drive around with like curlers in her hair in the convertible and she was just nuts. And um, I know I can guarantee you right now, my mom would have had like a calendar made of my husband. Like she would have had like, <laughs> she would have been his biggest fan and just thought he was the cutest thing in the world and had like a calendar next to her computer of my husband. <laughs> and just bragged about him and my grand and her grand, you know, her granddaughters would have been her life and just such beautiful way. And I'm, I'm grateful that I got to experience that. And I'm sad that, that they didn't, but, um, the beautiful thing, Rachel, is that my mom is in heaven with her grandbaby. We used to argue, she used to say, um, I want a grandson. And I would say, no, I want one daughter. And if it's not a girl, it's going back. And uh, we would just kind of fight and argue about that all the time. And the Lord revealed to me that that baby that I uh, chose to abort um, was a boy and he's in heaven with his grandma and she's thrilled because his name is Sammy and she's, she's got her grandbaby. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm so grateful that the Lord never leaves anything undone. And there's always healing and restoration and forgiveness. And my mom loved me well. She gave me Jesus. She gave me life. And the Lord doesn't punish us. He always is in the business of abundant love and restoration. And so in those things, in the choices that I've made that are painful and difficult, in the, um, in the, the efforts of the enemy 
to bring us condemnation and shame. The Lord brings life and goodness. And so I'm grateful that she loved me well and the Lord loved her well to give her, you know, her, her dreams too, Mm -hmm. and has loved me well to let me know that I get to walk in freedom and forgiveness, knowing that my mom is, um, celebrating her baby, her grandbaby Mm -hmm. (laughs) in heaven. And, um, just annoying Jesus bragging about, you know, me and my family. (laughs) I mean, she's just like, look, 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 look what she did. Mm -hmm. You know, she's super, she's in the front row. The day, like I told you, she, um, the day we buried her, I went on at this big theater uh, for this big role. And, uh, and the news people came out because they had heard the story that I had buried my mom that morning. And it was such a neat opportunity to be able to tell people about the Lord and say, she's in the front row. She's, she's, she's got Jesus. They're like in the front They have the best seat in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so, God just never leaves any stone unturned. He's so good that way. Gosh, you, what a beautiful picture. Thank you so much for your honesty to share all that you have. And, you know, as the listeners have heard your story and the joy and your perspective, I I know that they're going to want to stay in contact with you. So what is the the best way that they can do that? Uh, You know, I have a website, seasonbowers.com and you can, sign up on the email, you know, to get the blogs that I write or whatever, or on Instagram at season Bowers or Facebook. It's just, you know, the usual. Um, but I really am so grateful for any opportunity. The, the thing that I'm most passionate about, and I tell the radio stations that I'm on across the country, I am so not interested in just being a content provider. I am all about relationship. So it's not that I just want people to follow me. I want to connect with people Truly. So if you're listening to this and you've been touched or you want to know more or you want me to pray for you or whatever, I want to be in relationship with people. I'm so not interested in, you know, racking up numbers. I absolutely will respond to you. I, um, when I go and speak at different places across the country and women's conferences or, or churches or whatever, I usually stay uh, a day prior and a day after just so that I can be flexible um, I was speaking at a college this summer and I, I just said from the platform, I was like, I got time. So you want to do coffee, lunch, dinner, breakfast, whatever you want. And I packed my day prior, uh, you know, after speaking uh, and then the next day, because I just want to spend time with people and connect. And I know that, you know, maybe at some point that's not going to be as feasible, but um, I just want to connect and be in relationship to help people walk in healing and wholeness and, and goodness and joy. And so please, if you connect with me, send me a message. I want to actually um, really be in actual connection, not just, you know, click a button. Mm, Yeah. Oh, that's refreshing to hear that. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today, season. You, you are a joy (laughs) and you're, your story is impactful and your wisdom is insightful and, um, after, after being with you for this hour, I just, I really, um, I feel more joyful and I also feel, um, I feel compassion for what you've been through, but then also the encouragement and the hope of what God can do through it. Um, and so I think it will give hopefully the listeners, um, the hope too, knowing that there are seasons to our lives and, but that, 
with Jesus, there is joy. So thank you so much and, and God bless you. Thank you. Oh, I'm so honored. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with Season Bowers. I hope that she brought you as much joy as she did to me. If you're interested in those show notes, you can head on over to at Rachel Adams Author on Instagram or on Facebook or to my website at rachelkadams.com. I have a weekly love offering and send your show notes straight to your inbox just to make it easy for you so you never miss another episode. Next week is Tracy Martin. She is talking all things missionary life, and I can't wait for you to hear her servant's heart. But until then, I hope you have a terrific week and as always, lead with love.